Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. So we are back for week two of streaming in place and talking Outlander season one. We're going to be on episode six Outlander today. Outlander season one. Yes. We've We're changed about Lucifer. shows. Season I one. haven't done I... the homework. I didn't do the reading. <laughs> Should I just leave class? I'm going to leave class. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we are on Lucifer season one, episode six. Favorite son is the episode for today. So last week, uh, I referenced something uh, in, on the Thursday that actually happened to this episode, which explains possibly why I was like, how come nobody wanted to talk about Trixie being hilarious with chocolate cake and i started this episode I was like oh it's because it's in this episode and <laughs> not in episode four because as you may remember i started episode six by accident and then went back and started episode four over and so i got all confused which would explain why latoya and i were both like yes this is fun and you guys are like oh, i don't know what you're talking about um so trixie wasn't even in that episode <laughs> she was but it was very 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 brief yeah, yeah. but okay. it was good which is why i was confused i was like oh no i did like that thing but i don't know what it had to do with chocolate cake <laughs> <laughs> so let's start there because there's a lot weightier topics to get into with this episode but i feel like this was a good episode for trixie but also a very helpful episode for detective douche um, yes where are you guys at with that corner of the show right now. I mean, Tr Trixie for president. <laughs> uh, she's already proven that she can lie with the best of them. But she'll be bribed by chocolate cake, and that's very easily obtainable. I, kn I know. I, I know, and I appreciate it. But I think um, all politicians are garbage, so they may as well also be cute and smart and have good instincts about people. Mm -hmm. So, like... Yes, we'll just have to make sure that she's not able to be bribed with chocolate cake, but she's going to have the White House chef, so yeah. she's going to have yeah. all the chocolate cake she wants anyway. It's true. Um, just have to get a really good, we'll have to like reach out to some bake-off winner and say like, hey, please come be the personal chef for the White House. And then there'll be a scandal because they hired a Brit. Anyway, um, uh, no, the chocolate cake stuff was all really fun and the Trixie stuff was really great. The detective douche stuff I thought was way more interesting than I expected and finally makes sense why they cast an actor that good in a part that seems so thankless. Um, I uh, especially liked his scenes with Maz, um, brief though they were, I thought I, I went in a direction I didn't expect. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know that there's a ton to say from like a deep analytical perspective. It's a very familiar separated and he thinks that he's not seeing it from her perspective and then he finally understands because he hears a phone call like it's a very familiar trope but it was well done i think yeah i think it's well done too and i think it helps that you decided to put by you i mean the show decided to put kevin alejandro in a pink tracksuit with an nsync t-shirt yep. awesome. everything like two sizes too small <laughs> um and i think that helps like kind of carry you through that very sort of rote realization process of oh being a parent is a job <laughs> huh <laughs> and i think that that realization like allison said is just it's very well trodden territory so finding ways to elevate it in terms of either having maze dump him onto the sofa and i was glad to get confirmation of where decker sleeps in that house because i had been trying to figure that out um and then just the add-on of the chocolate cake with the, 
why are you naked <laughs> and covering yourself with pillows? My pillows. And I want chocolate cake for a year now. And it's for after, it's for after, it's for after Taco Tuesday. And so it's good. It's fine. I agree that there's not much more like analytical type of stuff that you can really dig into here. But it's smart in terms of making him a little bit more like likable almost like but the, i'm still waiting for like a good at, i'm still waiting for a reason of why they got together in the first place and i just i still don't see that just yet but that aside i think it's a decent enough escalation um that was though just a lot of cheese for t- an expected two-person taco tuesday it was a lot of cheese that they did and i'm okay with that because <laughs> i like a lot of cheese but it was a lot of cheese and you had to grate it. And that's just a lot of cheese to grate, too. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I You can eat a ridiculous amount of cheese. I'm very on board. Um, so, yeah, it was a... I thought it was a good way to, to really get you on board with uh, Detective Douche in a way that we haven't been so far. And just, like, pitting him up against Maze, giving him a reason, him a reason to, like... I thought the, the, like, okay, I need you to investigate Lucifer thing as an immediate in for why he's in the episode and something that he can relish and just have fun with worked really well. And yeah, it's a lot more, it's a lot more fun when, when he is supposed to be having fun and whether the character is the actor definitely is uh, when, when he's interacting with Maze and that mean, just like, it's just really, it's just delightful because, because, She's the cat, and he is a toy, and or a mouse, and it's just like it doesn't have a shot. Lucifer's reaction later on when when Chloe tells him is like, oh, oh that, oh that poor man. Uh, I thought it was just right, and really, you know, helped bring like it's it's some good character rehab on it for a character they like you said, Elson. They have so completely underserved at this point. Um, what about? Uh, I feel like there's two other big chunks of the of the episode. Obviously, everything with Lucifer. And and with Chloe, their dynamic, or I guess really three, because there's there's the Chloe Lucifer dynamic, there is the uh, the stuff with Dr. Linda, and then there's like the the reveal and like the emotional through line just for Lucifer by himself. So let's go over to Dr. Linda next. Uh, how is that working for you guys? Yeah, Noel, let's throw it to you. Right, I really liked their whole sequence in which she decides to fully buy into the metaphor to deal with Lucifer's issues. And, like, trotting out his, like, angel name is actually, like, a really solid, like, maneuver, I feel like. Um, because it sort of, like, shifts... It shifts the discourse. Because not a lot of, like, people say outside of people who, like, really read the Bible or necessarily familiar with the fact that Lucifer has had another name prior to the fall. And so I really like that as a way to just totally cause a breakthrough, but also cause a literal breakthrough a wall, Um, which my partner pointed out kind of cheekily. She was just like, is that a breakthrough? And it's just like, yes, it is. It's both. It's property damage. (laughs) It's property damage. It's also a sign that, yeah, those walls are too thin. Maybe you should look at fixing that as a psychiatry (laughs) practice. You should fix that. Um, so I liked that. I liked how it sort of provided a strain on the relationship a little bit, but more than anything, I really liked how it emphasized, even if she's being unknowingly manipulated by, um, Aminadil, that she is actually concerned for this person that she thinks is a 
mortal being of some kind um and has just delusions and that she's doing her best in to try to pierce those and i really like that because it shows a that she carries b that she's good at her job and that she's just not in it for the sex um and i think those are two really kind of important things within the confines of this episode very specifically um in an episode in which we also get dan sort of a little more rehabilitation slash shading. This helps Linda, who has been shown to be competent, but this really kind of drives it home, I think, in a really good way, and hopefully in a really productive way once Lucifer realizes he's being a jerk. Uh, Allison, how did you feel about it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I was kind of knocked out by it, honestly. The tidiness mm-hmm. of what having her accept his delusions as delusions as truth does for the show also being the best thing for the story also Mm -hmm. being a thing the character would actually do just it kind of blew my mind like oh like because it is obviously a tactic right like it's it's being deployed against him um in this sort of like double agent pretending to be your neighbor the walls are too thin kind of way um so it works as as a mechanic of the plot in that way but also seems like it could be very useful for him and then on top of that as i say is the best thing for the show because it like the dance of okay fine let's just say you're the devil it just is gonna wear thin pretty quickly so even if it's just her placing a framework around her time with him so that she can believe it, even though she thinks that she's just meeting him where he lives, I think is pretty genius. Um, And uh, also makes a ton of sense um, just for, I don't know, like increasing intimacy, like that relationship got way more thorny and complicated and she is now, she seems to me now, like you're absolutely right in all that she seemed competent and like she was good at her job and like a, probably a pretty good person before this. But now I feel like I understand her more and I'm way more invested in their dynamic, which seems to be shifting pretty dramatically, which is great because it was an interesting plot device. And now it's a piece of the story that I'm invested in, which is um, extremely cool. I I just thought all of those scenes were, were pretty great. Well, and so much better than, you know, what other shows would do with this, you know, uh, the, the, the scene with, uh, Linda and Amenadiel is just like terrific. And obviously it's played for that, like, ah, I'm spying on Lucifer and trying to take him down kind of a thing, but it gives her, I mean, she needs, basically she needs other people to talk to so that we can spend more time with her and having that, uh, like they're they're playing some you know dynamic between the two of them, and you can question her ethics around how much should you be talking about the patient, that kind of a thing. But I think they do that dance pretty well. I think they they do that pretty well with her. Um, but it just lets us buy into her and buy into her um, her her skills as a therapist, but but also just her investment and what she's willing to do for her patients, right? So we like her more because it shows she's smart. It shows she's uh, open-minded. It shows that she can, you know, she'll try different things out and she gets instant results. And like you said, Allison, it's a much more intimate 
dynamic because now he doesn't there isn't that wall of like well i know he doesn't even she doesn't even believe me and this is all just like you know kind of a thing you know like there that remove is gone and i think part of what's so successful about this episode for me i think this is a terrific episode is Mm -hmm. that the that's immediately reflected in the performances rachel harris is really strong um but i think ellis particularly shines in that scene like the the ratcheting up and the way like this is the episode when i was first watching it that made me sit up and go oh this is a show that can handle more than just the tone they've been doing which has been fun but could easily get old so for me it was like a real significant thing it sounds like though maybe elson and i are more on board than you are noel is that correct no, no, no. I think it's a really excellent scene. And I think that the way in which that that sequence of events of basically kind of confronting Lucifer with the with his metaphor with his metaphor um, feeds in really nicely because you can't do this episode. You can't do that that scene without having done the whole thing about the storage container. It doesn't work as well. Because uh, you need that loss, that double loss, essentially, to drive home what's happening within the within the um, within Linda's office. There's this really nice moment as well that I was just like, God, this is really like all of it's really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, which is when he has his breakthrough and punches through the wall which dr linda should invest in a white noise machine if she can't deal with construction which it sounds like maybe she leases in a building with other offices she should just get a white noise machine that will help anyway um when he punches through the wall there's this moment ellis has this moment where you see him look at his hand and i can just see in his head i could see him go ow (laughs) you know what i mean because it's like because it's just this little tiny quick reminder of the way that he is changing and what all of that says about like growth can also be loss and obviously he's processing a lot I just, it, very interesting stuff the the other show i thought about a lot while i was watching this episode was evil sure. because um and i mean i think for lots of obvious reasons but <laughs> specifically thinking about the psychiatrist because lucifer's dynamic with dr linda obviously could not be any more different right like the psychiatrist patient dynamic and evil is um completely dissimilar like totally professional completely non-sexual but there's a similar like um acceptance of what the psychiatrist clearly believes to be delusion at work um and then it gets progressively murkier, which I assume will probably happen here in some way, right? Like superhero identity and whatnot. So it just eventually she'll start to wonder and that'll just be part of it. But um, I was thinking about in the pilot when her notes get stolen and all of the sort of like trust and acceptance that has to be built. But anyway, I think they're both doing a really good job of showing minus the boning showing <laughs> mental health professionals in a positive light in this trope, right? They're doing the right thing, even in circumstances that are far beyond what they might normally experience. Good stuff. Also, if you haven't watched evil guys, you should, I know you two have. Yes. Um, Marcus and Tanya and lurker. You should really uh, watch evil. It's very good. Um, okay. Let's go to the Chloe and Lucifer 
chunk of the show because the, I mean, again, this is another in this episode. This is an episode full of just little, little tweaks and shifts in the dynamic. And what we get here is very different than what we've gotten so far. And I think having that level of test to it, showing there are limits to what she's going to put up with and why she's going to why she has been putting up with him. Um, I, again, I, I thought it was pretty successful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I completely <laughs> agree with everything you said. I think um, putting him in a position where he has to work for it a little and not maneuver for it, but where he realizes that like there is a line and now he understands what the line is and it's not necessarily what he expected. Um I think is really interesting and obviously shifts the power dynamic. And then um, Chloe's admission that she likes working with him. I think really what, like he makes a joke about how it's huge and they should celebrate, but it really did seem huge, right? We obviously know this because otherwise the show like wouldn't be <laughs> happening. We just would have said no. But um, it's uh, it was a very interesting wrinkle and made me more interested in that relationship too. Yeah, and I think it, wrinkling is probably the best word to describe a lot of what happens here. There's like a they're just adding little bits of nuance down to the fact that Lucifer very, very clearly just never lies, but he also doesn't give the whole truth, which is a larger issue here of like, no, there are definitely Russian dolls in that storage container. They look really cheap, but they're in great condition. Um, but that's, that's not why I'm upset about this. <laughs> um, and I definitely don't have a secret star labs panel in this storage container. Um, <laughs> And that, I think, is, like, the thing. It's like, yeah, he's being very clear, and she's, but, like, that he's the devil, et cetera, et cetera, that she's seen the scars, but there are degrees of intimacy that haven't been established yet, even if it's, I like working with you, and that kind of a thing. And that that sort of thing still has to be built, basically. Yeah. And so I'm really curious to see how that sort of develops. That for me was the more interesting thing is like for someone who's being very upfront about any number of other things, the fact that he hides this little bit is very telling and interesting. You can see Ellis and like in his performance, you can see Lucifer deciding how to handle that moment. Yes. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm not going to lie, but I'm not going to be honest for many reasons either. So what can I say? that will work in this situation and that will not betray this, you know, who I am, you know, his identity as someone who never lies, who abhors lying, but also, you know, like will, will, she will understand and she can connect to like, what can I say here that fits all these things and the threads that needle. And so that, that's a, you know, again, another little moment where it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Show. I see you. Okay. There's more going on here. Um, Marcus says, I find it interesting that the fallen angel is upfront and honest, except for the wings thing. Um, while the good angel is lying and manipulative, you know, good in, in quotes. And yeah, I mean, that's a very, they're, they're very clearly <laughs> going for that, that dynamic here. And there's a lot, cause like Lucifer, that's very straightforward, but Amenadiel, they could do, have done a lot of things. And by making, <laughs> we were talking about last time, like the hello humans. Um, but in this episode, they're making him much smoother. So, yes. so it's a bit of a situational adjustment, but I think it's also just, he's, I think if Maze was there <laughs> or Lucifer was there, he probably wouldn't be so smooth. But I think if he's like in like, secret agent mode with Dr. Linda, that's a lot easier for him to like kind of just, he 
he's letting her do some of the work of smoothing out how he they interact. Um, so I think that's fun to watch too. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also just boils down to sort of tropes like angels tend to be jerks anyway. Like we've watched Supernatural enough. <laughs> That angels, by and large, are just kind of terrible in a lot of fiction. They're more Um, interesting that way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because if you've read any of the Divine Comedy, Heaven's just really boring. It's the worst part of the book. Um, And so it's also true with, like, Paradise Lost. is like, Heaven's the least interesting portion of those books. And I think that that's some of it. It's like, you need to make Heaven interesting in some way, shape, or form. But the other thing is, is the idea that uh, Lucifer's upfront honest, I think is still in keeping with how the devil gets depicted in fiction, typically, in terms of like a devil's crossroad, the devil's deal type of thing is always, you get exactly what you ask for. There's no like lying per se. There's just that unexpected twist because you didn't word it carefully enough <laughs> and you didn't have Daniel Webster look over the contract. And that's sort of the deal that happens there, I think, is like the devil's always, not always, but typically depicted as being honest to a degree, but you just need to be very, very specific in what you ask. And I think that that's where this episode really kind of nicely hits that line of, I told you exactly what was in there. You just didn't press any further. (laughs) Marcus says the devil's in the details and yeah. Allison, you were kind of making a face a little bit when about the devil depiction. I was thinking about, uh, well, <laughs> if I'm honest, which mm-hmm. I will be because the devil is a great role model. Um, uh, I was thinking about how uh, it's great. Uh, your references were great. Alec oh, okay. Perry, Milton, and I was just thinking about good omens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but the angels are also kind of jerks. Yeah. And they're no, they're jerks in that too. That's why casting John Hamm for that is great. <laughs> good times, good times. So you, need, you need a blend of the literary and, and the pop culture. Yeah, it's very good. And that one counts as literary too because it's a book. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at the idea that that's not literary. I'm just, I yeah. just assumed it would count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I feel like there should be a book club where people read the Divine Comedy and Good Omens. Hmm. yeah that should happen and then also maybe like the hitchhiker's guide oh sounds good well you have so much time right now yeah just (laughs) um let's get to our last chunk of the episode we haven't really touched on yet and that is you know the capital w the wings so first i wanted to know if either of you like put together what was happening earlier in the episode as you were watching or if it was like the first time i watched it it was like uh mind blow like of course i should have seen it coming but they held it just long enough um i was watching this one with my family and uh with my parents the other day uh and like like five seconds you know not even before there was like a oh it's it's like when the camera pans up past the scars and so i so i i so my parents got it before I did <laughs> when I was watching, I was, but it was, it still really impacted. It still really hit. Um, I, I mean, maybe because the show hasn't aspired to something that personal so far that that's why it, it worked on me or also I'm, you know, it wasn't giving a lot of attention or energy. <laughs> um, but how did that part of the show work for you? This episode? Oh, I loved it. 
I have, in fact, I want to, I want to put this out there and I promise to not go on about it because I could, and it's not useful. I thought about this before we started recording. I was like, I'm allowed maybe 15 seconds on this subject. Uh, there's one thing I didn't like about this episode and it was Tom Ellis singing Sinner Man. Um, <laughs> like, and I want to be really specific. The playing was great. Um, but don't ask a white dude to sing Nina Simone. Uh, if, you aren't absolutely sure he can do it because he has a lovely singing voice, but if they had just like slowed it down maybe or done a different arrangement, I would have been going, wow, this is the whitest thing that's happened on my television. <laughs> In a while, it just was not good. That's the end of my 15 seconds. That's the only thing I didn't like about the episode. Uh, okay, every- well, but but I have to interrupt you there because yeah, it's not good. And, and here's the thing, as a musician, everyone you know, we'll have their own opinion on it. But I think Ellis does a really good job, actually, for a non-piano player of faking the piano. And the the inserts, the way they do that, having some side shots where he's just making stuff up, but then a lot of inserts. I think that that overall, over the course of the show, works really well. And I think that Tom Ellis is a better singer than a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. But (laughs) he is not as good a singer as the show thinks he is. No, he's Uh, not. And 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 that song in particular is just, Get ready for a lot of that singing. All oh right. yeah, Lurker, I know. I've seen the you whole know, show. That's okay. Yeah, like bring I, I'm ready, like have him sing some Dean Martin, have him sing some what at Britney Spears, don't care. Just Nina Simone mm-hmm. is a special case, and that song in particular is a special case. And you just even if they had just slowed it down so it wasn't the like it was it was a bad move. Anyway. I liked everything else. And with the wings, um, I was also shocked and was not expecting it, but I figured it out when he said, um, because they stole them from me as I went, Oh my God, it's the wings. Um, and it was, and the, I think I like verbally reacted and I don't know what I said, but the shot of them with the flesh was like viscerally very upsetting. It just was, I was very shocked by how affected I was by it and by how, uh, I guess, and it's not like it was overpoweringly gruesome, but there was something about it that was extremely visceral. Um, And this is as a person who is not often particularly affected by religious imagery. It just really got me. I mean, I thought it was um, a terrific ending and man, as always, it was very hard to not go on to the next episode. <laughs> I I might have finished this at home and been like, well, we'll see how they uh, feel about that one episode a day thing uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. But anyways, um, so yeah, when they say that, when you get the, like, they, my, you know, they have my wings or whatever, and it really lands, because we've seen the scars, to then show, like, that is writing a big check that you have to deliver on. And I think between the, like, the prop design, right, the lighting, they, like, they nailed it, I thought, with just how they look. The scale, like, there, you know a lot of thought had to go into that. It looks like so much more thought was put into how Lucifer's li- wings look than how Amenadiel's wings look, at least so far. Um, and, yeah, having the, like, the torn, ripped flesh on the side it's just it hasn't been sanitized you know it as much as it could have been and a lot and again the same thing i point to a lot of other shows would have just had just the feathers and it you know and it it would have just been a image of beauty and awe but this was that but because you have 
still the you know some of the flesh it it underscores how much like it underscores the crime of it being taken even though he asked Maze to cut his wings right so like that was his choice it, having that there is just a reminder of no these are his they like it's a part of him it's not something removed like his divinity that's that he's rejected removed from him um so yeah that i mean i just i immediately was like shout out to the props team for this yeah yeah on a network too i i don't know why it's not like like, again it's not like it was so grotesque but man i just was really i was very surprised by how shocking i found it yeah and i think that a lot of it is achieved through both like the editing of that sequence in which you see his back and then we cut to slowly like raising up the wings but i think that there's like another aspect of it in that it feels overtly theatrical which I think it helps almost like bordering on like an operatic sort of deal, which I think works really, really well, given the fact that you want this reveal to really land and you really want that kind of attention to detail. So the kind of half grotesqueness of it with the skin still there and still like raw looking, which I think is also really interesting with the blood or like the wound kind of idea there, I think works really, really well. And just the whole, again, the staging of it, then like that stainless steel sort of like harness that they're trapped in or held in all of this, like very much like I just immediately went, Oh, okay. I would normally be mad at another show for doing Hannibal, but I'm okay with it here because I think it just generally, the way in which they provide some build up to it, but also again, through the editing and through the fact that we've seen those scars before and then we get to see it again here while he's looking down and they're going up, the elements of that coupled again with his conversation with Linda that everything just sort of coalesces into this really kind of beautiful moment of he's, he can't, he can't get back up literally. And I think that there's something really powerful and potent about that. And it just works, I think really, really well. I love that you use the word trapped. Yeah. Right. And that, that speaks to the, again, the design that like that the wings don't just feel displayed. They feel trapped um yeah you're you're pretty smart Noel. Um, it can be sometimes yes uh the other thing i want to talk about with this corner of the show is the way that they have played i mean again it's one of those moments of oh show okay i again i see you show you are smart i i i can like trust and, and respect the the people behind the creative team because the pacing of this this is episode six and the timing of when we see the scar, like how how long they let us see the character a bit, and then we see the scars, which and and Lucer's reaction to Chloe seeing them, and that like immediate pivot to, uh, of intimacy and like a glimpse inside uh, his extern his shell, right? And then wait a couple episodes, and then now we get the wing, you know, like the the pacing of the all that I think has worked really well, has been very effective, and even just within this episode the reactions you know the, the the reaction of like oh it's no big deal i mean if they want him so bad they can have him uh or you know and and Maze knows that's bullshit and she just wants to get past that part of it can we just skip over the part where you pretend this doesn't matter um and so she tweaks his ego and and, and just the way that the it escalates 
up to that that you know punching the wall really really upset and you guys I mean I know what's coming next but you'll see how where, where that's headed in the next episode and we'll talk about it tomorrow but I think that the the pacing of that to escalate from the flippant comedy through to really intense emotion by the end is just really it gives me a lot of confidence in the writers and in the showrunner yeah for sure this felt like a a turning point and I full disclosure watched this because I knew if I watched during the weekend I was gonna then immediately want to watch the next one and I don't mm-hmm. want to use them um so I watched this right before we recorded so I'm okay. still processing a little um but it feels even now kind of like a turning point in the way that I am perceiving the show um which is great and very exciting. And I feel like somewhere Latoya Ferguson is like, I told you, <laughs> I told you where it can still be silly, but there's this other thing happening. I'm very into it. Hmm. You guys saw on Twitter, <laughs> she responded. Yes. And yes, she was yelling at the podcast for a bad reason, for bad reasons this time. <laughs> and yes, she is already on season three. Oh, good times. Oh, Latoya. We're going to have to have Latoya back pretty soon. Yes. Um, Cause that was super delightful. Um, we have been going for a while. Do you guys have any other things you wanted to talk about or any other corners of the show? Uh, if anybody who's in the chat wants to, you know, ha- have us, has any questions or things that they want us to touch on, go ahead and, and pop up any questions you have. Um, I don't really have anything. I, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of it and there's a lot to dig into, but it sort of seems like with an episode like this, your options are around 40 minutes or around two hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I think that I'm continue to be impressed by the costuming, um, which is really like vaguely cartoony and comic booky in Lucifer's world. But, um, uh, really dynamic and then that that instant gag was so good mm-hmm. plus it occurs we haven't mentioned tom sizemore <laughs> and the motorcycle gang oh yeah that it was like oh hey yeah hey, how's it going yeah clothing wise yeah at least he's still alive that's good yeah, yeah. uh noel any final thoughts i'm just glad that apparently the guy that fell off the roof didn't die because that's a lot of paperwork that <laughs> Only Chloe will have to do, and that just feels really mean. Yeah. yeah. That her her consultant didn't stop a guy from falling off a roof. Well, and I also appreciate that Chloe comes out the door and the guy jumps and he's like, you know, don't and instead of playing the oh, what did you do to make that happen? It's right. she's like a are you okay? Because you yes. just saw uh-huh. someone try to kill themselves and that is horrific. Like that's uh, again thank you for just sidestepping the stupid bullshit i'd have to deal with on a different show um uh tanya says mazikeen's gift of the britneys <laughs> the britneys was so giving uh did you guys enjoy the britneys yeah spoiler sure. they may be back in the future oh <laughs> did not see that coming i was hoping every week it would be like i brought the jennifers here are the veronicas here are the jessicas <laughs> But I'm down with more Britneys. I hope it's different Britneys. I hope it's a different <laughs> pair of Britneys. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. Everyone, we'll be back t- tomorrow to talk about episode seven, uh, Wingman. And there's a, there's some, there's a fun, there's a fun ca- casting in there um, that I look forward to y'all's thoughts on, even though the actor doesn't get to say the thing that 
as soon as you see him, you'll want him to say. And that just gonna let you know that doesn't happen right now. Okay, so what but, you're saying is Matthew McConaughey does not say all right, all right, all right. Exactly. Clearly, okay, yes. Right. Um, but yeah, looking forward to y'all's thoughts on that. But we uh, will wrap it up for today. So thank you to to Marcus and Tanya and Lurker for hanging out in the Zoom with us, and we'll be back tomorrow with some more streaming in place. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.